Those are great. Those are great. How many of you were uh, here for our marriage date night last night? Yeah, it was a great night. It was a great night. Packed house, a lot of fun, uh, a lot of funny things, very similar to that. Um, but just like any joke, there's, there's always a little truth in every joke. Um, and uh, as we've been going through this series called uh, Love God First, that part is actually no joke, that we really should love God first in our relationships and how that, uh, that our connection with God actually makes us better spouses and makes us better, uh, better friends. Um, for those of us that still may be waiting on our spouse, um, it helps us to, uh, to set our priorities um, properly. If maybe we're single and okay with that, this is also a thing that, that helps us uh, to have wisdom um, in, in the way we go down this road called life, um, knowing that this is our priority. It's about making God's priorities our priorities. Um, and what happens uh, when we do that is an incredible thing. Um, and so maybe you've heard this joke uh, that's kind of a joke, but kind of not. Um, what are the two most important things? Usually this is aimed at guys. What are the two most important things for you to say when you get married? Have you heard this one? Yes, dear. Right, and? <laughs> well, that's kind of in the same vein. But the other one is, I'm sorry, right? And man, I'm telling you, like, the, I, I remember, like, even the day of my wedding and even, like, a week leading up to that, if I heard that once, I heard it 50 times from people who were, like, thinking they were, be funny, they were being funny, but I'm just like, stop, you know? And so if you're that person, by the way, stop. Don't do that. They're, like, engage people. Like, they get it, right? It's corny and it's cheesy, but at the, sec but at the same time, like, the second part of that, the I'm sorry part, it, it, it's not wrong. <laughs> it's not wrong. And actually, from the perspective of forgiveness, which is what we're going to be looking at today, um, there's a lot of truth in it. And so let me start with this question. Uh, if you want to follow along in the, uh, in the Bible app, you can certainly do that. The notes are in there for you to follow along with me. Um, and uh, just look for Connect Church in Akron, Ohio. Um, but let me start off with this question. Do you find it harder to forgive your spouse than to forgive other people? Yeah, you can hear a pin drop in here right now. Like, oh, yeah. Or maybe your significant other, your closest friend, uh, depending on how you want to frame this. But forgiving an acquaintance, sure, that seems to be a lot easier. Uh, but forgiving your spouse or even your kids, not so much. We have a short fuse with the people that we're closest to. Not nearly as much patience or tolerance with those that we are closest to. In fact, the people that we're closest to usually uh, end up seeing the worst of us more often. And there's this comfort level there with people that are close to us that enables us to, uh, to hold a grudge longer or to lose our temper more often or, or, or more quickly. Some of the way that we'll snap at each other, you don't find that necessarily with somebody that's just like an acquaintance or somebody that's just a friend or somebody that you run into at church. But we'll go home or get in the car and, uh, and bite each other's head off. And you know, we all make mistakes in life. We all make mistakes in life and we all have to live with the consequences, absolutely. And in marriage, there is plenty of room to make mistakes considering that each person is changing and each person is growing and, and going through their own issues and their own struggles. 
But when we're married, we, we share our spouse's decisions and we share uh, their mistakes. Or at least we should. And so we're put in this position to live out or the opportunity, I suppose, to live out being gracious and forgiving and, and merciful as a reflection of how Christ has dealt with us, yet we struggle with doing that. And as believers, we should strive to live out being forgiving toward our spouse, which can be, uh, which can be challenging sometimes, for sure. Bless you. Especially, especially since the relationship that we have with them it affects us the most. It affects our lives the most. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter four, and I just wanna look at one verse right now. We're gonna look at more, more but right now, I wanna look at one verse. And this verse, uh, I'll be honest with you, is, a, uh, is our family's family verse. This is a verse that uh, we say over and over and over and over again. In fact, my kids are gonna roll their eyes when I, roll, when I put the verse up here because they've heard it so many times. But the reason that it is, is because we're not great at this. In fact, we stink at it a lot of times. I'm just gonna be straight up. And this is why this is a verse that we've, that we've said, you know what, we need to own this. To the point where like, my kids know it by heart, we know it by heart, and I'll even just, start, I'll just, I'll just say the beginning of it, and they'll like finish it. I'll be like, hey, be kind and compassionate. Like, I know, forgiving each other as Christ forgives us, right? Like. I get it, but honestly, like, listen to the words of this verse that Paul is saying, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. If that doesn't set the priorities right where they need to be in one verse, I mean, it's all right there. It's all right there. We see the call to be kind and compassionate, tender-hearted, maybe is what your uh, translation says, and forgiving one another. And when our spouse has hurt us, has hurt our feelings, maybe ignored us all day, maybe treated us poorly, the last thing we want to do is to be kind and compassionate to one another. It's the last thing that we want to do. But God has been kind and compassionate and tender-hearted toward us in the midst of our own sin and in the midst of our own rebellion, in the midst of our own times when we've ignored him, in the midst of our own times when we've treated him like garbage or when we've forgot to even spend any time with him as well. And I know that's easy for me to say up here because I don't know your specific circumstance, but still, it doesn't mean that I'm wrong. And it doesn't mean that this verse is wrong. God has been kind and tender toward us in the midst of our own sin. And so if you're unmarried this morning, let me say this to you. This is something to embrace and to get right now before you are. Figuring this out later can be a lot more difficult. But for every relationship, whether you're here, whether you're watching online, this should be a set of principles that we live by and that we enact toward others because of who we are in Jesus. And sometimes things go unsaid. We leave things unsaid that shouldn't be or expectations are set much higher than they should be. In fact, one common marital mistake that contributes to the problem of forgiveness, I'm gonna take a sidebar here for a second, but when I bring it back around, you're gonna see this, 
is the problem of putting your spouse in God's spot. Don't put your spouse in God's spot. And let me explain what I mean by that. We probably found ourselves doing this when we were younger and new to relationships, maybe in high school, uh, you know, things along those lines. That doesn't mean that it doesn't happen to us as young adults or adults as well, because it does. We do it. Some of the things that we like aim at kids, oh, kids are doing that. Listen, we're still stupid as adults. We still do it. We're all stupid. There's your connection point for the day. But, um, but here's the thing. I can honestly say that, and, and here's why I can say that I'm stupid. Um, this was a big problem for me as well in high school and into young adult uh, times in my life. Because the reason that the high school relationship that spilled into college that I had, where I've, I've told the story about the, you know, the girl was my fiance and I caught her cheating on me and I've told, I've told y'all about that. If you didn't know, that happened to me when I was 19. Um, I was engaged and I caught, I caught her cheating on me. And the reason that that rocked my world to the extent that it did and it wrecked me to the core was this exact reason. This is why. Because I put her in God's spot in my life. And when I think back on those times, and I think back about where my brain was, or lack thereof, in those times, it's because she was in God's spot in my life. I had elevated everything about that relationship. My life was wrapped around and aimed toward in the wrong ways. She was, the, and which is why it wrecked me to the core. Listen, we may love our spouse as we should, absolutely, and find them incredibly, such a perfect fit in our lives as we should be, and as I do now, for sure, absolutely I do. But they are sinners just like you and me. None of us are perfect. They will disappoint us. Spoiler alert, your significant other will disappoint you at some point, and if you don't think that they will, I got news for you today. <laughs> today may rock your world a little bit as I start going through some of these things here because you're going to be disappointed because every one of us is a sinner. Every one of us messes up. It's important to be able to see our spouse as someone that we can trust, of course. Um, it's my fa I say this all the time. It's my favorite thing about my wife is, is that I can, the, the complete trust of her at the same time that doesn't mean that I can trust her the same level that I can trust God because I can't trust anybody on that level because I don't know any person that's not a sinner and so it's important to see that it's important yes for our spouse to be someone that we can be intimate with that we can be unashamed and vulnerable in front of absolutely but only God can be the refuge the true refuge that we need and making our spouse an idol is an easy slip that can happen to any of us without really noticing and you may be like wow that guy this is getting like a little bit further than I thought like yeah I know but when you get to the root of it that really ends up being what happens we can make our spouses or our significant others or even the idea of one I've seen this all too often in my years as a youth pastor but even now I've seen this all too often where even the idea of one the idea of a significant other and that I have to have somebody at all times that is, that is being elevated to an idol status in our life 
and we need to just call it what it is. And so when we make our spouse or our significant other into, into an idol, then we're expecting them to take on the attributes of God. And, and so that, that creates a problem for us. And you might be like, Jay, wow, that got, explain that. Okay, I will. Here's what I mean. So let me, let me say it this way and give you a couple of things. How do we know if we've made our significant other into an idol? You might be like, I don't, I don't think I do that. And great, maybe you don't, but let's parse it here for a second. How, how do we know? How do we know if we've done that? Because here are a few things to look out for, whether you're married, whether you're engaged, whether you're single, whether you're dating, regardless of where you are, look out for these things in your heart and your mind. And young people that are, that are in here, listen to me for a second, because I'm telling you, if you get some of these things right, you're gonna save yourself drama and heartache moving forward, I promise. And I can say that because I've made all these mistakes. Number one, an impossible standard of perfection. An impossible standard of perfection. There is no grace. There is no grace in your reaction to them messing up. Ask yourself this about your spouse or your significant other. There is no grace in your reaction to them messing up. Do you condemn rather than consider that you're both sinners in need of grace as well? Do you just ultimately jump to like biting their head off? or you're so devastated because you've set this impossible standard of perfection for them. That's the first one. The second one, an impossible expectation for him or her to fill my needs, to fill all of my needs. If I become angry when she chooses to watch a movie, when she chooses to go hang out with her friends, instead of hanging out with me, if she chooses to do something on, on her own, instead of spending time with me, that might be a red flag in my life. If you get upset when your spouse goes and does something without you, that might be a red flag. Don't misunderstand here, right? When we love God first, we then love our spouse second, so if they never spend time with you and they never prioritize you, that's the same problem in reverse. That's not a good thing either. But listen, true love, hear me on this. True love, it's not about getting what you want. It's not about getting what you want. It's about serving the other person. And we saw that from Jesus. We still see that from Jesus. And we will continue to see that from Jesus. And we should understand that in a marriage relationship as well. And then the third one, an impossible desire to have them fix me. An impossible desire to have them fix me. It's not wrong to look at people like our spouse or a significant other for biblical guidance and help. Absolutely, we should. We should, we should help each other there, no doubt. But if we only look to them to bring complete healing and complete rescue from life's challenges, we are gonna be sorely disappointed. Sorely disappointed. Instead of turning to God, you turn to your partner. Instead, you and your partner together should turn to God. Together, right? Your priorities are messed up if you turn to the other because all you're going to find is someone who is incapable of fixing you. 
they're not God. They don't have the ability to fix you. Look at Jeremiah 17, 9. This verse, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it, right? Just follow your heart. No. <laughs> the, no. The Bible's real clear on that. You hear somebody say that, like that's a bit of a red flag. Time out, right? Don't follow your heart. Don't always follow your heart in things because it's deceitful above all things. Your heart is gonna lie to you. Your heart is gonna lie to you and try to convince you of the opposite of what is true. That your significant other is, is as trustworthy as God and that they can bring relief to your pain rather than God. And we have to guard ourselves against this honestly, against this deceit that happens in us with the word of God. See, God is our refuge, not our spouse. God is our refuge. And don't get me wrong, I'm not slamming on, it's, Jay, you're just slamming on our spouse the whole time. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm trying to do is say, love God first and put him in his proper place and for us to really understand the hierarchy of that and why that matters so much. Because if you struggle here, if you struggle here, I would suggest that you look into the attributes of God and you will see how much greater he is than any one of us. Because he is. Why he is worthy of our trust in every circumstance. And why we love him first and foremost. And as a couple, we then go to him together. And we put him in the proper place in our life. Psalm 139. I want to read these couple of verses for you. Verses 9 and 10. They say this. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Even if I'm flying away, even if I'm, I'm in the depths, even, even there, even then, your hand will guide me. David writes this psalm. And he writes this psalm in many ways as a prayer and, and praise. And if you read the entire psalm, it's, it's awesome in that regard. But he's calling out a truth that we often forget when it comes to, to these relationships, that there is nowhere that God's presence does not exist. Nowhere that God's presence does not exist. Nowhere so far or so deep that he is not there. Nowhere that his guiding hand of influence or strength can't touch. In many ways, there's some aspects of this psalm that remind me of what Paul writes in Romans because David was so assured that the constant presence of God, that his hand of love and care, that not even death or the grave could separate him from that love. And our spouse cannot make this claim, ever. This is just one more reason that we love God first, that we make him our refuge and our spouse second, and yet alongside us because we are one in Christ Jesus. And when things aren't going well, we forget this truth. When life doesn't make sense, we need reminded of the fact that it is impossible for us to do anything in which God is not a spectator. No matter how far gone you think you are, no matter 
how far away you might feel even then. Even then, his hand will guide you and his strength will support you. Even in those moments. Sometimes the unrealistic expectations, they drive us the opposite way that we intended. When we've been hurt, yeah, even then. When we've been crushed and let down, yeah, even then. When we've been disappointed by the one person that we unintentionally put so high expectations on that we didn't think they could ever hurt us or disappoint us, that we thought we could always count on, even then, yeah, even then his hand is there. Because when we're hurt, because they don't meet this high standard that we set for them, the hurt runs deep because God wasn't our refuge from the beginning. Many times people, they want to they hide the things that they're going through because of the shame and the guilt and, you know, maybe embarrassment. And, and it, it's natural for us to want to pull back and it's natural for us to want to bury it. That's our sinful nature that we fall into that. But the truth is, is that confession, it not only allows us to receive forgiveness from God, but it releases us from the burden of carrying the mistake alone. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 through 15, Jesus is uh, giving the Sermon on the Mount. And in the middle of this, he says this, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now let's put some context around this for a minute because Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. And he's teaching them to pray and he's in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount here and, and, and he's teaching all the people that are there to pray as well. And he goes on to underscore one point at the end of all of this. And that one point of this, at least this little section, is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. Why? Was he trying to make it hard on them? Was he trying to make it rough on them? Like, hey guys. No. In fact, it was the opposite. It was actually the complete opposite. He was saying, I want you to be free from the burden of holding on to the grudge. Because if you don't choose to forgive, you're not going to enjoy the intimacy and the closeness with the Father that you would have otherwise. You're going to leave a wall up and you're going to sit in the bitterness and the poison that that truly is. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to put a wall up between you and the Lord if you, if you can't forgive and lay it at his feet. Think about this. What kind of consequences could come if you don't forgive your spouse? What sort of consequences would you have to deal with and live with if you don't forgive your spouse? Every week of this series, I've given you an action step, I've given you a thing to do. It's a little bit of homework, if you will. And this week will be no different. In fact, this will be the last week of homework for the series, but there is one week left. And for those of you that are single, next week is for you in this, in this series. However, the, uh, the action step for today, as we're talking about forgiveness, is this. Let go of the grudge and forgive. But let me, let me give you some specifics because this is specific. And this might not be for everyone. This might not be for every relationship. But it might be for yours 
we might have more of a need for this than we realize. You maybe thought at the beginning of this that you didn't, maybe this one wasn't so much for you and your relationship, but now that we're here to this moment, you may realize maybe this is a little more you than you want to admit. Maybe you realize that the chains need to, to fall off. And so here's an action plan for you. Here's, here's some specifics. Sit down privately and let them know. Sit, maybe it is a date, but maybe it's not. Maybe you need to sit down privately and let them know. No strings attached. No need for disclaimers. No need to rationalize. No need for the other person to even say a word. But to say it, to forgive it, to pray about it together, and to leave it with the Lord. The other person may not even realize that this conversation needs to happen. But you know that it does. And you may be feeling like, Jay, you don't know, you don't know all the things. And you're right, I don't. There's some of this that may be a little bit bigger than any of us realize. And I know that there's some convoluted things and some details in that that, I, that I'm unaware of. I get that. But again, it doesn't mean that I'm wrong because the Bible's really clear on what a lack of forgiveness can do to our relationship with him and our relationship with others. So let's let go of the grudge and forgive. Some of us may be in a, in a circumstance um, that's, that's feeling really tough. Which leads me to the connection point that's this. No mistake is too big for God. So love God first. I don't know what that circumstance is. I don't know what that conversation needs to look like for you. And it may be really tough. And it may be more than just, Jay, it's not just to sit down and say, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, it might be. You might be right. You might be right. Maybe it takes a little more than that. Maybe it, maybe it takes weeks of conversations. But you know what? When we put God in his proper place in our relationship and in our life, we see forgiveness in the light that it really should be seen in. And that is this. Necessary. Forgiveness is necessary. And Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to tell us that knowing how difficult it is because he knows it's necessary. He loves us he loves us too much to let us stay in the sinful state that we're in. He loves us where we are and he loves us too much to let us stay there because we're all sinners and we all need it. And if, if you are maybe in that situation in your marriage where you're like, that's a really deep, long conversation. I don't even know if this will make it better right up front. It might make it worse, Jay. You, you might be right in some regards. So let, let me give you some, some more practical help. We've got something called marriage uh, mentoring that we're kind of relaunching but launching again today. And this is something that is not just, I mean, let's be honest, a 30-minute TED Talk on a Sunday is not going to fix a marriage. It's not. It takes relationship. It takes, it takes time. It takes conversation outside of this. And that's what this is. Right, being able to move forward and to grow together. I realize that there may be some relationships in this room that you're not sure if you're gonna make it through the end of the day. There may be some relationships online that you're feeling that way as well. 
you're like, I've tried all the things, we've done all the things. Let me encourage you to maybe, if you're even thinking about where you are in this, if you would even call yourself in a crisis marriage situation right now, reach out to us because this is the church being the church. This is a real practical thing. I've seen marriages saved through this. And here's the idea, just real quick. It would be you and your spouse sitting down and being paired up with a solid Christian couple that want to help mentor you and walk you through wherever you are. You'll take a survey at the beginning that'll tell you a little bit about where you are in your relationship. Here's where you're doing well. Here's maybe where you're struggling. And that'll set, set the bar for where you're gonna go from there in the conversation. And it really is, in many ways, it's discipleship. But this is the church being the church. This is a practical way to actually make a difference because we live in a world and especially in a community right here with hurting marriages. But no mistake is too big for God. So love him first. If you want to know more about being involved with marriage mentoring, please jump on our website connectchurch.xyz slash mm or you can even hit the next steps button that's in the bottom left corner and there's a thing that'll come up and you'll see marriage mentoring right there and you can hit that and we will get back with you and I'll let you know all the steps that need to happen there but if you're feeling the Holy Spirit telling you something right now about that I would encourage you to reach out to us we would we would love to just be there for you and walk with you through that You'll never be the perfect spouse and neither will your spouse. And understanding that, owning that in your relationship with each other and with Jesus is gonna set proper expectations for each of you. If you love God first, then forgiveness is a must. Let's pray. Jesus, I love you. I thank you so much that you choose to forgive us God, I thank you that you choose to forgive us and, and that you have done um, everything to show how much you do love us. God, help us to put you in the proper spot in our life. Lord, sometimes we've unintentionally put our spouse or a significant other in that, in that place that you rightfully should be in our life and that ends up creating false expectations and a lack of forgiveness. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us put you where you need to be in our life. God, I pray that if there are some hurting marriages in here, that there are some hurting relationships, Jesus, that, that your Holy Spirit would move through them. Maybe they don't need marriage mentoring. Maybe they do just need to sit down and have an honest conversation about forgiveness. But maybe it's deeper than that. And I pray that they would reach out to us and we could be a part of helping and pointing them to you. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that even through a message as specific as this today, that they would hear and see your love and your forgiveness and the way that you welcome us into your arms. So Father, if there's someone here that, that needs to know more about having a relationship with you, I pray that today would be the day. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>